What are you looking at? Don't say iconic. We're not saying iconic all of this whole episode. This Don't is, tell me what to do. No, I am. I'm telling you what to do. <sighs> Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Hi, this is Kenny. Oh God. Okay. You know what, Mark? Mark Snyder. I'm gonna take your energy and I'm gonna match it. Hi, Let's this. Do it. Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna. Album five, track twelve. We've been waiting for years to say these words. Don't just stand there. Let's get to it. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. Vogue. Where do we begin about Vogue? It's so hard to talk about this song because it's so a part of our lives. It's so (laughs) a part of our lives. I can hear it anywhere I am in the world. And I'm like, oh, there's Vogue. It's part of my life. It's part of the, it's part of American or, you know, pop culture. I mean, I think almost- Pop culture? No, world culture. It's not like soda. Don't yell at me. culture moment. No one needs to yell about that. Am I yelling? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to. Um, no, you're right. It is a world cultural moment, yes. um, which is such a funny thing because it's such a song that didn't seem like it was trying to have a world cultural moment. In fact, I'm sure you'll talk about this more. It was supposed to be the B-side for the Keep It Together single. It wasn't even supposed to be a hit song. It was yeah. just supposed to be a little extra something. Yeah, they they held it behind um, from Keep It Together. Uh, she wrote it with Shep Pettibone. Shep Pettibone is a huge... Shep Pettibone enters. Um, despite my disdain for his remixes of the Like a Prayer tracks, um, she met Shep Pettibone in the clubs in New York in the late 80s, and um, he remixes Express Yourself. But he also did a remix of Into the Groove, and isn't that him on You Can Dance? That's that's Shep Pettibone, I think. Yes, a lot yes. of into the uh, yeah. you can dance stuff too. So yeah, he had been sort of circling. He'd done some like causing commotion. He did a remix for, mm-hmm. and I even think who's that girl? Um, and so yeah, he'd been sort of around. But this this the recording of the song and everything happened really fast and unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah. She, um, I think she was doing it also. Um, th- this feels akin to kind of a supernatural like time, ta- like mode and v- vibe, like. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. Stop. Well, you better you better try to explain yourself. You Mr. hate supernatural. Hate. It just it, again. It doesn't. It feels. I think the strength of this song always has been that it feels like its own thing. It does not feel like it belongs on any Madonna album, despite its presence on mu- on Breathless Music from and inspired by the film Dick Tracy. It it always feels like it's its own. It's big enough to be its own thing. It is its own thing, but you're right. It does fit into this album as like the final turn, but it is it is an outlier always. Like there, Correct. it is it is an album unto itself. Truthfully, it is such a big moment, 
And the sound of it too, which is rather simple, really, mm. um, sort of became a, I think, a blueprint for almost all 90s dance music. Totally. Totally. Um, I and, and I think that that's what's so interesting about the song and the way it kind of came about. Um, they recorded the song. They didn't put it on Keep It Together. Um, I'm Breathless was done, quote unquote. And the record label was like, well, there, we need a single. There's not really a single. I think Hanky Panky was considered, was what they wanted to be the single or Now I'm Following You would have been a single. And um, and even Stephen Sondheim mentioned, oh, this is my chance to have a hit record because Madonna's doing my songs in a movie. Um, and none of his songs were singles. This was like... Um, I mean, the closest was more was the B-side to Hanky Panky, which was the second single off I'm Breathless. This became the single. And they had it in the can. It was ready to go. And ironically, it does work within the context of the of the film and the and the because of its uh, evoking old Hollywood in the rap um, and kind of like the so much about exterior and. But um, even more than that, it is also, it's yes to all of that. And that it's a song about how we can escape the pain of our lives. And that <clears throat> the movie, Dick Tracy, a summer movie, a pop song, putting up, playing dress up, playing all these characters is all in vogue itself, which is a way um, for, you know, to find escape. And obviously this came from ballroom culture, which was a culture that underrepresented communities were using as a way to find escape, but also find power. Like Mm -hmm. it becomes so many of those things at once that it like fits perfectly with the story. You know, it becomes like the thesis of like, don't you need to escape sometimes to find your power, you know, Mm -hmm. to find your beauty, you know? Um, And beauty is where you find it. Like beauty is where you find it. There's where you find it. And it's, yes. it's, 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 you're enough. And you're the person that, that belongs, yes. you belong. It's a song about belonging. It's a song about all of those things. This again is like, sorry to, this yeah. is again is like where we see Madonna's intentionality or understanding of her voice and what her voice can do um, is so clear. It's like, Again, and again, you know, she recorded this end of 89, but it was Mm -hmm. released in 90. So we're at the beginning of a new decade. And she's saying like, stand up for yourself, find your voice, look for your beauty. You know, you have it within you. You can rise above the pain of the world. Mm -hmm. She's really taking all that power on in a way that like builds on express yourself to me, you know, and takes it to another level. This song is... Um, this song came out in um, April of, this was the pre-single of, of um, I'm Breathless Music from and inspired by the film Dick Tracy. And it came out and I remember hearing the single version, which is very different than the album version. It jumps right into the song. And I just lost my mind. I um, I was a queer boy living in Ohio, listening to the radio religiously, and I had never heard, even after all the Madonna songs I'd heard, all the Stevie Nicks songs I'd heard, all of the Eurythmic songs, all of the pop songs of the, that era, this song was my song. And I had never heard my song on the radio like this. No, Mark, it was my song. No, it was my song. <laughs> it was our song. It was ours. Again, 
It's a call to the dance floor, Madonna's yes. favorite place in the whole wide world. Yes. I had the same exact experience, Mark. I remember when the single version came out because it came out, it started with the beat. Yeah. Oh, yes. I forgot about the. Woo! Oh, yes. And then here we go. Yeah. Totally. 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 Because I, my guess is that you know, Chef Pettibone was asked to make the song with her because she loved, even though you don't love it, that she loved the remix of Express yes. Yourself, right? Yeah, that's and true. there's yeah. so many elements of the Express Yourself remix that are the base of this song and that yeah. then build into something new. Well, and it, and it and it has a musculature that this the simplicity of the music of the arrangement and 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 just kind of the the beats and everything uh, shows it to have. And after all of the kind of gloss and glam and um, posing, ironically, the posing of the other "I'm Breathless" songs, this was like okay we've done this now let's let's head into the future with this song yes. and this inspires everybody i mean paula abdul uh cnc music factory everything but the girl all of the pop divas of the 90s everybody had a song or had a remix of a song that sounded akin to vogue okay wait i can we just go back to everything but the girl yes missing that was like 95 yeah and you'd say that's a that's a I think vogue. the remix of missing the 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 dance mix of rem, of missing is so a vogue sister hmm. a descendant of vogue totally okay. I'll have to think that through a totally. little bit I mean and let's talk about Madonna's vocal I mean Madonna's vocal is pure pop goodness and yet there's that kind of like there's the sadness in it of you know life is life is hard um it's you know look around and and then it yes. just kind of launches into the chorus. Look around, yeah. everywhere you turn is heartache. It's everywhere that you go. Look around, you try everything you can to escape the pain of life that you know. Life that you know. All else fails and you long to be something better than you are today. You know, I think that's a great point because as opposed to say three plus years ago when she did Spotlight, mm. which has a similar message actually, yeah. but has none of the gravitas of Vogue. And I think that is the thing that makes Vogue so powerful is that you even though we don't know exactly Madonna's true story, we know she's been through shit by the time she sings the song mm -hmm. and what it takes for her to be like, I can let all of that go and find find joy and love on the dance floor and you know free myself and I invite you to do the same. Don't just stand there, let's get to it. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. like let's all we're we're going to just shake this off and move on. Um including like the whole decade, you know what I mean? Like let's yeah. let the 80s go, let's move forward into the future. Um 
It's yeah. also a really inherently queer song. And, yes. you know, at the time, I remember hearing about the the Vogue balls in New York and um, and that whole world as, um, you know, Paris's Burning was come, was about to be released. And um, so it was definitely Madonna's finger was firmly on the zeitgeist. Um, she was, I, 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 and and people of many have said she was maybe a year or two too late, actually, for the actual when it was at its apex in New York. It was probably, she was probably going to drag balls in the, in, in 1988 and 89 when she was um, doing Speed the Plow. I do you think. really think she went to the drag, the balls? I do think she went. I do think she went because there's something about, or she saw Paris is burning, I think. But I do, I imagine she went somewhere. I mean, I, I imagine she went. Well, and, two of um, the dancers that are go on tour with her, aren't they like- They're famous? from they're yeah. from that world, yeah. yeah. Extravaganza. But it's very interesting because at the time, I think that there was a huge uh, rush of thrillness that Madonna was was mainstreaming that world and bringing it in and, and showing a queer black sound into her music. Um, but, you know, in hindsight now, 30 years, it feels very appropriating and it's very interesting. It's very telling of the time that uh, a black woman, for instance, could never have made this song and had the culture embrace it the way that it did. It had to be a white woman uh, making the song. And because um, uh, I don't think it would have been a big hit for that. It would have been a novelty or, or something like that. And um, you needed a Madonna in 1990 to kind of su suture that into the world. Um, yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting line, and I think it would be a cool thing for us to have a bigger conversation with other people about yeah. because I think between this and like a prayer and the ways that we've talked about her um, taking um, black. R&B sound frequently in her music and even street music are the ways that we've hear, heard those beats. Like what is, what is partly allyship? What is, you know, her taking, you know, just mm -hmm. taking and what is authentic? Like, and where, where do we feel like those lines are? What, what do we feel good about and how do different people feel about it? Because for me, I can see all of those points. And then at the same time, I'm like, who else could do this song, but Madonna. But then I'm also like, well, what does that say about my lens? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, and it also that um, I do think it's an it starts with an allyship, and because I don't think Madonna is going to put something into the world she doesn't think is cool, and and isn't excited by and 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 thrilled by and passionate about. Um, at some point, though, in the process, it does become about business and about putting an album out and making a single and making a video and what that's all going to look like. And I think it's very telling that um, after we discuss the video, she really never performs it uh, in a huge embrace of the, the, the black roots that the song, it always kind of has this kind of tweaked version of it outside of the original performances of it. Um, that further distance it from its roots. It always has kind of taken on this other thing. The other thing I would say about it is um, I always, uh, I immediately, when these conversations happen about that, I always think of the secret video where Madonna's walking through Harlem and it's so many shots of the black culture. She's kind of visiting without really engaging in. 
until you realize she's with her lover and their child and at the end of the song. But throughout that video, it's a lot of beautiful image of, of black life, street life in, in New York in the 90s. And Madonna's kind of sauntering through looking like a star walking right. down the street singing the song. And I feel like that's a lot, that's a really kind of indicative of way of like, she wants to show all of that and, 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 and make that a familiar image for her audience, but she's also not going to get down on the street with them. Right. Well, I think there's something authentic about that meaning. Like it would seem weird if she was, mm. you know, pretending, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the secret video is a really interesting video and, um, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We will get there. But I think you, you touched on the video and I think we should, we should check in about the video and a couple key performances, you know? Um, well, David Fincher's back. Let's just talk about our buddy, David Fincher. David Fincher is back a stunning black and white video with the dancers and singers from uh, the Blonde Ambition Tour. Um, and this is really their coming out because um, she hasn't started the tour yet. Um, they've been nowhere. They've done nothing. They've shot this video and they're in rehearsals. And you see um, it's very much an ensemble video, really. You see all of them in close-up. You see their faces. You start to get glimmers of their personality. You see Oliver Crooms. You see Slam. You see, you know, Gabriel. You see all of the guys. You see Carlton. You see Donna. You see Nikki. Nikki. And all these different versions of Madonna. We're back to multiple different images of Madonna. I mean, this whole video, just from the beginning, when we start with the feathers, you know, mm -hmm. opening up and revealing this, and we're in like this old movie set. And again, here we are, like her playing with the idea of Breathless Mahoney and and past glamour and, and then building it into this super modern thing where we're seeing the dancers who are so diverse, you know, yeah. coming forward and really being like her partners in this. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. It's an ensemble. And then Mark, something that happens in this video that happens very rarely is we get Madonna full on giving us a dance break. She does give us a dance break. It's we don't, so wonderful. When was the last time we got a real dance break from Madonna in a video? In a video? Oh God. I mean, there's kind of when the choir kicks in on um, like a prayer, I think there's some dancing. Yeah, but it's not choreographed. No. Like, you know what I mean? Even in Express Yourself, I'd say that her dance on when she grabs her crotch is like a choreography, but it's not. But she's the singing same. the chorus. It's yeah. not just dancing for dance. But yeah. I can't remember a time when there was a time.
dance break. I I knew this whole dance. I I could I could still do this dance today. It's it is Mark, for lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, he's gonna say it. He's gonna say it. Ah! Iconic. Oh, God. <laughs> what I love about this video, I love so many beautiful images. There's that gorgeous of Madonna with her back to us mm -hmm. with the corset. And, and you know, that um, that weird kind of moment when the maid picks up oh, yes. something. And there, there's just all these little stylistic things. With and, hands on the hands. Oh, on the hands and the and the and all of the just and then, and then at the end it's it's like it's just the group of them all doing it together and and not being alone. Madonna no longer is the goddess up on the platform away from everybody. She's down with the with her She's ensemble. with the people. She's with the people. She's yeah. with the people. But, which is what that song I think that's another way that the song coded is queer. It was like and I do think you're right, Mark, like more than any other song, Express Yourself was the one where I was like, oh, this is a queer liberation song too, even though I didn't quite know what that was. But Vogue to me is like, it's like an East and West Coast song. It's like either you are on the on the coasts and liberal and you get this song or you're not. Do you know what I mean? It was like, do you know what I mean? Like it was like a device in that way. And, it's yet, sort of it, like, and yet everybody loved it. Totally. Like everybody totally. loved it. I mean, but it's, the, it was a yeah. line in the sand. Yes. In a way that express yourself or any into the groove or any of her anthems before this, you, you could take it that way, but you could also take it the other way. This song and the video and the performances really say, okay, this is what it is. And then the rap, I mean, we we're talking about the rap in this song and these are gay icons. All of them are gay icons. Garbo, and Monroe, Dietrich and DiMaggio, Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean, on the cover of a magazine, Grace Kelly, Harlow Jean, picture of a beauty queen, Jean Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, dance on air. They had style, they had grace, Rita Hayworth gave good face, Lauren, Catherine, Manitou, Betty Davis, we love you, ladies with an attitude, fellas that were in the mood, don't just stand there, let's get to it, strike a pose, there's nothing to it. Every yep. single one. There's nobody yep. in there that's like, oh, you know, Charlie Chaplin. No, they are gay icons, queer icons. Well, I don't know. Is DiMaggio a gay icon? Yes. <laughs> also, just he rhymed. He okay, he rhymed with the thing. We have to remember <laughs> she had to rhyme it. Well, and and it was also the bane of Lauren Bacall's existence for the last 20 years of her life because uh the, like right then and there she was the last living yeah legend on that song for like 20 years and every couple of years some cheeky journalist would say so <laughs> you're the only one left on that song what do you think of that song and she would always go i don't know who madonna is and <laughs> she'd be so mean about it and um but what a gift it's it's kind of like i when betty davis had betty davis eyes like it was the best yeah. thing that could have happened to betty davis in the early 80s well this is i mean again like why i think even though it wasn't meant to be the last song and i'm breathless it's perfect because yeah. it is like basically she's saying like um here are all my references 
do you know what I mean? It's like sort of the end of her thesis paper. And she's like, yeah, here's all, here are all the way, all the things that I referenced. And here is a path forward. Here is what, and, and it really does um, at the time, like we'll talk about what it, what it means overall, but um, at the time it was, it set the tone for the rest of the summer. It was the song of 1990. Yes. It set the tone for the tour. It set the tone for the fall. It set the, everything was this frothy, anthemic song about voguing, about self, about empowerment, about our community. Um, and it only has become an anthem over time more and more. I mean, she she just did it a few years ago at the Pier Dance. Yeah. And it the place went crazy. The, the place, place went, went crazy. crazy. You know, I think like I think this are, you know, probably the last thing we're going to touch in on is some of the live performances and I have to say that um except for I think, you know, Blonde Ambition obviously yeah. is an amazing performance and the MTV awards, which I think we should talk about, but I don't, I can't honestly say that I've enjoyed hearing or seeing it in other tours. Interesting. She does it periodically throughout her touring time. Um, but she always seems to bring it out for big events. She does it at the Super Bowl. Yeah. She does it at um, the Pure Dance. She does it. It's one of the few songs on the Madame X show. And the, the Madame X show in particular felt very perfunctory. That Absolutely. felt the most perfunctory. But I do think that the Super Bowl performance was, if there was a place to do it, like that was the most, oh, and yeah. to start the show with Vogue in the middle of the Super Bowl. I mean, that to me says everything about who Madonna is in the world, you know, like exactly is a thrilling way to start. But, you well, know, but she also, I mean, the reality is, is that she shattered the, 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 the level for it because the MTV performance is definitive. That's it's right. Definitive performance. Um, she closed the, she, she ended the MTV music awards in 1990. Arsenio Hall was the host. <laughs> of course. And uh, he, the, it was the end of the tour. The tour had ended. Uh, they were wrapping up. And okay, but wait, wait. Yes, yes, you're right, you're right. And I just want to contextualize too that this was 1989. She had opened the MTV Awards with Express Yourself. And in 1990, she returns to close it with Vogue. And gave us a sample of Voguing during that performance of Express Yourself. Yes, she did. The choreography is in the middle of Express Yourself. You're right. Yeah. So then at the end of the MTV Music Awards in 1990, Madonna, who had rehearsed all week on a closed set, no one knew what she was going to do, um, does a lip-synced version of uh, Vogue with all of her dancers and Nikki and Donna from the tour. It's kind of the finale of that uh, era at, that cadre of, yes. of performers because that's the last thing they do together until the uh, truth or dare premiere they're all yep. together then um and it's all of them dressed as um uh french renaissance uh yes they're all Antoinette. in yes they're all in the costumes from well she's in the dangerous liaison dress that glenn she's dressed wore. as the marquis martel Yes. Yes. Um, so yes. And, you know, there's so many things that are thrilling about this performance, not only just the, the look of it. I mean, the costumes were just phenomenal. And the fact that they were like unabashedly, she was unabashedly not singing. 
You know? Yes, she was not singing. Um, it, there's a set, there's like chaise lounges and pieces and an entryway for them to come into. Um, and the and the dancers are, I mean, two of those dancers are in those little hot pants and those blousey, I mean, I watched it being like, what's up with their beautiful? And that guy can get his legs like that? Hello. Yes, it was, it was, I thought a, you know, a really radical act, you know? Yeah. And the other thing that gets me so excited about this and connects to I'm breathless and in in so many ways is that here we have um them doing Vogue um which is they're they're hearkening the song is about these modern ballrooms right where yeah. people are going to find power um outside of society but this this performance is hearkening back and connecting to original ballroom right? Which would have been during the French Renaissance, right? And was also a place which was a place of pure power, which was only the most powerful were at these balls, the most yes. glamorous, the most beautiful, the richest, the whitest, mm -hmm. right? And then she's subverting it all and saying, I'm connecting to, to the, the past, I'm pointing to the future, I am both at the same time. And it was like this, just this total moment of like, you know, it was such a rich performance in that way because it wasn't just a show. It wasn't like just a show. It was a history lesson and it was a lesson about how we live and how cultures collide and how culture can be subverted. And, you know, it was so it also, thrilling. It also shows that Madonna isn't living under a rock. Um, she's hearing the murmurs about appropriation. So every one of the dancers gets a bow. They get a moment before she makes their entrance to kind of say, this is who I am. This is who mm. I am. This is what I do. They all kind of come up and present themselves to the court, the audience, before Madonna makes her entrance. And it's so riveting the way that she continues to interact and, and work with them. And it's also, for, for me, what was so theatrical and wonderful about it is it's not, hey, I'm plugging my new single and I'm just going to do the, the version of it that you all know so you'll continue to buy my single and my record. Um, I'm just going to do a theatrical performance. And it raises the bar that I don't think anybody really has ever done again on MTV for the, the Video Music Awards. There have been a lot of big productions. There's been a lot of big acts who have tried to do it. Maybe Beyonce with the coach performance. I, I mean, I think Beyonce's done a few kind of iconic performances. <laughs> um, but um, no, the, I mean, it is, it is, it holds its place, you know, yeah. it holds a place for sure. And, and, and was, and also kind of showed, sh revealed what could, what is possible to build on with the video. So the video yes. was this one thing on MTV. This is how this performance builds on that. It, it almost uses that as a, as a baseline to do this theatrical surprise, which, Absolutely. which nobody really had done before. They either what like veered all the way to another way or. Do right. you know what I mean? Yes, because like she could have been like, oh, I'm now going to do the acoustic version of Vogue. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Madonna and a gu guitar, yeah. um, which she would do now. But um, uh, Ugh, two, okay. two more things from the video, and then you may have some other things too. But here are two things that are important to me. One is that moment where she lifts her dress at the end of, you know, sort of building into the bridge and like yeah. showing us that she has these knickers on underneath and sort of everybody showing us their underneaths, you know? Yeah. And I love that moment of reveal. It was so naughty and funny. Oh, three things. The other is that we have like when the fans open and we have that sound effect, 
right? Oh my God. Let's talk about the fans. So did you, when you, did you try to do the fan trick where you flip the fan and catch it? Oh, it's hard to do. And <laughs> apparently they never did it successfully. All three of them never did it successfully. The, Madonna always did it right, but Nikki or Donna would drop it. Or oh, of course. It and so they were all thrilled when they flipped it. And it, it worked during the performance. That's awesome. And then my final thing is, this goes back to sooner or later too, which is after the song is over, there is still drama to be served. Right? <laughs> well, so Madonna, Madonna <laughs> sinks onto a chaise lounge and then whacks Carlton and puts some opera glasses. I mean, it's so dangerous liaisons. And you know, Glenn Close was like, you know, eating popcorn at home being like, what? Because it's so like, uh, you know, it's so fabulous. And so Madonna being Madonna and what a way to close out the MTV Music Award. I don't even know what was going on at those awards with aside from this performance. No, I don't remember a single thing from that night except that, because that's of course all I was waiting for. So just to wrap, I mean, you know, this song, this song feels like Madonna knew it was something big and she was gonna she was gonna unleash it on the world and she knew that it would be what it is. It's yeah. not like into the groove or any of the others that you you feel like, oh, this is gonna be a big hit all of a sudden or holiday. Like, and this is one of those special songs that it it's in the top five Madonna songs of all time, really. Yep. yep. It's the best, it's the biggest selling single of her career. There's not a song that has sold more single than yeah. this. Yeah. Take a bow is longer on the charts, but yeah. Uh, but this has sold more singles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's such it's it's such a single. And yeah. um, and it also showed that Madonna was capable of just big fat singles as opposed yep. to the, you know, the 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 album experience, though that always and I uh, it, it it is the ones it it feels now 30 years later part of i'm breathless in a very real way um at the time i just remember being like this sounds so different than anything else on it and um but the album was a huge hit because i'm because vogue was on it it Absolutely. sold and sold and sold and you know steven sondheim had a top 10 album songs on an album uh, because of Vogue and it, it kind of rocketed the album up into the charts and um, it was a it's, huge hit. It's just a great example of like talent, taste and tenacity, like all coming together. You know what I mean? Like yeah. unbelievable and luck, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. like what a crazy synergy for all that to happen at once. And she, you know, she, I think that, this whole time for Madonna was very much a, I think, very vital, fun, happy, sunny, creative time. And for her to have such a success with that, I think really taught her a lesson in not being too precious with the art making process. Yep. And, um, and it's like that with everybody. I mean, you know, we're always thinking, I'm always thinking to myself when I'm, I'm working, oh, it can't be this easy all the time. And oftentimes it's not, but when it is, the best thing to do is get out of the way and let it happen. Yep. And I think she really does that here. I think that's absolutely right. And I think she couldn't have done it at any other moment in her career, like up to this point, you know, she'd been around the block, you know, three or four times by now, really, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like 
we're on the fourth slash fifth album and like, and the success has just gotten bigger and bigger. And she's also experienced so many ups and downs. And by now she's just like, I just know that I have to go with the flow. We see this happen next with um, Justify My Love where she takes a moment that could have gone one direction and takes it in a totally other because she's in the moment. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and in no way, I mean, and that's the other thing is, is like um, when we get to Immaculate Collection, it's this and then Justify My Love. In no way do those two songs sound like they're the same artist. No. And it's, and it's, it's shocking to me the way that this song at, at, at the same time feels like an outlier to her catalog and yet embodies the era. Totally. Wow. Wow. Till next time. Bye.